I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm looking across the round table that is shaped like an oval. At Guard Dog Steve. How you doing there, Guard Dog Steve? Good. It's the darn nice table. It is. And we're appreciative of it because we are starting off from scratch here with this ministry, that's for sure. Mark actually bought us this table. He did. He said he would get us a round table. Yeah. Well, at this time we usually see if we have a Facebook question. Oh, and we do, don't we? It's a darn good one. Yeah. It is. It's not a Facebook, but it was a question from a really cool guy that goes to a men's Bible study group I go to. And I talk a lot about depending on the Spirit, which we do all the time. Depend on the Spirit for everything. He wanted, like, some clarification. It's actually a good question. Let me Ooh, just put it out good, there. It's it's a smoking question, for, especially for Guardians of Grace, because this one has to be answered, actually. Yeah. By the nature of Guardians of Grace and the being under the New Covenant, this question comes up to just smack you in the face over and over and over again, and it'll be a question that we'll have to answer over and over and over again. Because it can kind of sound like Steve and I are saying, we don't do anything, we just wait on God and depend on the Spirit. When we're not saying, saying be lazy, be lazy at all. What we're not saying. Yes. And we've never said, sin all you want or anything. We are a ministry dedicated to allowing you to achieve a sinless life. That's what we're, our goal is, is that for is you to be goal. sinless, not full of sin. But method is everything. And yes. Our, we've always taught that our method is to wait on the Spirit, wait on the Lord. Yes. So the question comes about from time to time, so what are you saying, that you don't do anything unless you, the Spirit's, involved in doing it through you is are you saying i wake up and do i say my grass needs cutting do i wait on the spirit to cut my grass my my car needs washing do i wait on the spirit to where's the balance yeah i gotta go to work i got i got bills to pay pay. do i wait on god to bring a check into my mailbox so as they say where's the balance there Part of this guy's question was, you know, sometimes 
I don't feel the spirit prompting me to cut the grass, but I got to do it. I don't feel the spirit telling me that go teach Sunday school. It's your time of the month to be the Sunday school teacher. Right. And sometimes I don't feel it. Sometimes I do. Do I not go teach Sunday school and just not show up and say I wasn't feeling it? And it's not a smart alecky question. No. Is that a word, smart alecky? Yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. It's a, it's a legitimate question. Yes. So, there it is, Steve. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So, the question is, do I sit around and wait on the Lord as a Christian, just waiting for his activity to move me? Or, and this is another part of the question that nobody realizes we're actually asking. We're asking, what are my priorities? What's my first priority? And we've always heard that God is your first priority, but I I think we're going to have to question that statement. In a nutshell, if I was to look at a verse that describes what the Christian does in the new covenant, in the new covenant, the Christian would do Ecclesiastes chapter... Is it nine, I think? I think so. Chapter nine. Let me look. Okay. It's 11, like I said. Okay. Yes, just like you said. Although I said nine, but... Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it gives us our balance that we need to answer this question that a 21st century Christian under the new covenant should know. Okay, so I'll read it and then I'll let you comment. Okay. On what we should know. Send your grain overseas, for after many days you will get a return. Divide your merchandise among seven or even eight investments, for you do not know what calamity may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they will empty themselves on the earth. And whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the tree will lie wherever it falls. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who observes the clouds will not reap. Just as you do not know the path of the wind, or how the bones form in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes everything. So, sow your seed in the morning and do not stop working until the evening, for you do not know which activity will succeed, whether this one or that one, or whether both will prosper equally. Amen. That verse right there says in a nutshell what we in the 21st century as Christians should be thinking about. We just get up and do our best during the day and let God be in charge of what blossoms and what doesn't. To do otherwise seems to save from that one verse inactivity. If the one who watches the wind says he won't sow. It, right. It definitely. The one that looks at the clouds every day, he 
That's a procrastinator. That's a procrastinator. Yeah. We don't want procrastinators. We want people who get up and go to work. Go to work. But see, it's not going to work conscious of will God be pleased with what I'm doing now? The the 21st century Christian is pleasing to God. We're the vessel that God uses and we are pleasing to him. We get up and we're concerning ourselves with the day in the tasks of the day, whether it be mow the grass or go to the homeless shelter or what. There's no right or wrong answer. What? There's nothing unspiritual about mowing the grass. No. Or going to work and putting in your eight hours. Or looking for a job. Or looking for a job. We have to understand what a 21st century Christian is. And I'm going to say it blatantly. A 21st century Christian is a vessel, a jar of clay, in which the all-surpassing power of God dwells in. We are the instrument that God uses. We are the jar of clay that God lives in. He lives in us by his spirit and he will do everything. Let's say Jesus in me, the hope of glory will do everything that God needs to get done through us. We will always get an A for the day. That's why in Philippians 1, 6, Paul said, I am confident of this one thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion. Jesus, who apprehended you to be a vessel that he uses, will do all the things that God has for him to do through you, and you don't have to worry about it. You you can just go through life, and he will do what he needs to do. It's not up to you to get these things done for God. As in modern-day Christianity, that's what we've all been taught, that what are we supposed to do for God, that God needs us. You brought up a great point earlier steve about is god a priority yes because i've been taught that a lot i'm sure you have too we've been taught that he's got to have your priorities god family business that's that's the order what's the problem with that god is not your priority he's your life he's your life he's the essence of your life he's your life force you bring your life with you to all these priorities. If if you need to go by the hospital and visit somebody, then you have to do that before they get out of the hospital. That's the priority. If your priority is to find a job, you have to do that. But the essence of life is inside of you, and the essence of life will do everything that God needs Jesus to do through you. He will say, 
kind words at the hospital when you go to. He will share spiritual thoughts with the people that God has for him to share spiritual thoughts. But we as Christians in the 21st century can relax. We don't have to feel like there's some sort of burden on us. We can get up and do whatever we choose. If if it seems like it's good for you, then go do that. If exercise is good for you, exercise. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But, but there is a part of man who lives on the bread. The natural part of man who was born and who is on the driver's license, he lives on the bread. The spiritual man inside of us lives on every word of, lives on every word of God. But the natural man has to go up and make getting some bread his priority. That's, That's why it says... Cast your bread upon the seas. I like the way this translation put it. Or send your grain overseas. Expand your market. Yes. After many days, you'll get a return. But it takes that initial investment. Invest. Invest. If you need to invest in things, invest in things. It's okay for the 21st century Christian to do those things. Look at this one. Divide your merchandise among seven or eight investments. For you do not know what calamity may happen on earth. That's good financial advice. Diversify. Yeah, that's almost like saying put money in your 401k. It doesn't say wait on the spirit to do it. It says just go do it. Go do all these things that you know to be right. If the clouds are full of rain, they will empty themselves on the earth. It'll pay off eventually. Exactly. exactly. And whether a tree falls to the south or to the north the tree will lie wherever it falls sounds like poor scum yeah yeah but look at this he who watches the wind will not sow and he who absorbs the clouds will not reap people that say I'm out of work I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait here and watch TV and God will send someone to knock on my door not and offer it doesn't happen that way. No, go hit the pavement, mm-hmm. knock, knock on doors, look for jobs, find employment, find a way to get bread on your table, right? Mm-hmm. But then it says, Sow your seed. This is what you do sow your seed in the morning, go to work, take care of what really are your priorities, do whatever you've written down as a list of to do's for today do them. And do not stop working until the evening. I used to hear a guy say eight hours for eight hours. Eight hours pay for eight hours work. Don't do six hours of work and expect to get eight hours of pay. Do your job. Uh, Honor your boss. Work hard. And then it says you do not know which activity will succeed. Whether this one or that one or whether both will prosper. Or I hate to say sometimes it seems like life is futility. You go through a lot of futility. I know, Bill, you and I, we went down that path. Both of us were hyper diligent to sow our seed and work at night. We worked 
day and night, every day, and we never bore a whole lot of fruit. And Paul says, a man that won't work shouldn't eat. Shouldn't eat. Exactly. Our testimony is that we did work. We did work. It, It didn't pay a whole lot of dividends, but it didn't hurt us. It did not hurt us. And we learned to do something that we, everyone's familiar with this verse. Not, I think it's in Matthew six thirty three, right? You know it. Seek. I, I was going to say it's in the Beatitudes. It's got to be seek you first Five the kingdom six. of God. Yeah, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Okay, so what things are added to? Well, we have to go to the verse verses before, where he's saying, "Don't talking about." The things you need, bread, clothing, you need these things. And notice in 633, he's not saying don't seek those things, or he's not saying you don't need those things. In fact, he closes by says, your father knows you need these things. Amen. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's what throws us off. Do you, do you have that verse in... Matthew 6.33. Let me actually start a couple of verses before 6.33. But if God arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do for you, O men of little faith? He will do all those things. So be anxious for nothing. 21st century Christian be anxious for nothing. Just get up and do your thing that day, and God will do his thing through you. Then it goes on to say, For all these the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. There's something we've got to know about this word righteous. We've got to get this right. It's definitely his righteousness that you see, not self-righteousness. And to think I'm, I'm waking up today and I don't know what to do, that, that's a form of going, I'm looking for something to do today that makes me righteous. You're seeking your own form of righteousness instead of his, instead of knowing that, hey, I can wake up today and do anything I want because I am righteous. It's very clear. It does say his righteousness. Yes. Not your own self-righteousness. Right. I think we should do a little word study, a little redneck Greek word study on this righteous idea about the self-righteousness. Well, there is a, a principle... It's a scholarly principle about first mentions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the law of first mentions. And <laughs> I can explain it to you. Do I need a scholarly voice? Or no, 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 you don't. Not today. It's not a big But it means the first time it's mentioned in the Bible is called the law of first mentions. Yes. Not sure why that's significant, but... And it's not a law at all. It it has really no value. Just some scholars 
like to say this is the first time it was said it in the Bible and it defines the, all the rest of the times you use it, which it doesn't, but let's go ahead and go to the first mention of this word righteousness. Okay. In, in the Bible, because yes. it, it is very, very telling. Yeah, it is. This is going to be good. It's Genesis 15. It's our old buddy Abraham. I'll let guard dog Steve read that. Let me start in 15.1, Genesis 15.1. Do not fear, Abram. I'm your shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord, what will thou give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you've given me no offspring born of my house, I have no heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body shall be your heir. And this word of the Lord took him outside of the tent and said, Look towards the heaven and count the stars if you were able. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed the, the, the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Okay, there's the word, Steve. Righteousness. So this word righteousness is the same word Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God's righteousness, yes. And all these things will be added to you. Yes. Righteousness is probably one of the most misunderstood words that Christians use all the time. In this particular one, and we'll be able to show it in a few other examples, righteousness, what it really means is keeping a covenant. When you keep a covenant, it is considered righteousness. When you keep your part of the covenant, you're you are righteous. righteous. Correct. If you don't keep your part of the covenant, you are unrighteous. unrighteous. Okay, so righteousness get, has a narrow definition to it, and it's only about covenants, and it's only about your ability to keep your end of the covenant, your end of the bargain. It's you swearing that you will keep your end and the other party swearing that they will keep their end. And the one who does it is righteous. And The one who breaks the covenant is considered unrighteous. Yeah, see, because I, I always thought, man, if I go to a bar, I'm unrighteous. Yes. That's not what it literally meant in the Bible. The or if Bible, I mow the grass instead of going to outreach. I'm unrighteous. I'm now. unrighteous. Right. When the fact of the matter is, righteousness has a very narrow, narrow, narrow definition to it. It means to keep the covenant. Your end of okay. the covenant. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. And so part of the God says this is the covenant I'm going to give you a son. Out of that son is going to come nations of people and a nation of Israel. 
and all the people will be blessed through him. And I'm going to give you a land for you to possess. And then Abraham said, well, I'll do this. (laughs) And Abraham, so far, has he asked Abraham to do anything? No, and Abraham hasn't volunteered either. All he said is, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as if he did some part of this covenant. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't faith credited to him as righteousness really either. Right. Some translations say Abraham believed in the Lord and Mm -hmm. it's it's not there. It's not really there, but it says Abraham believed this mixed with some right now it, 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 it's it's fitting now that where you say he got reckoned with righteousness once you've understood the definition of righteousness the right way he got credited with handling his side of the bargain his side of the contract he got credited righteous he got credited as handling his part because he didn't have anything to do he so he handled it well there's some more examples, but consistently this word righteousness has to do with covenants. And quickly, and I can think a couple of off the top of my head. Remember when Laban had Jacob take care of his livestock? Yes. And he kept cheating him mm-hmm. and saying they made covenants, right? Yes. And every time they made a covenant... Jacob kept the covenant. He He was righteous. He was righteous. Who was unrighteous? Laban, because he didn't keep Keep his his part of the covenant. So he was considered unrighteous. Right. And it's put that way. Right. Then Jacob says, I've had enough of this. I'm making another covenant. And he tells Laban, remember, to go through all the flocks and pick out the speckled spotted. and Mm -hmm. You know the story. It's quite a story. He said, these will be my wages. This is my salary. And he said, if you go and you find any livestock, sheep, goats that do not fit this definition we just gave. Yes. He said, this will testify that I'm unrighteous. Right. Because I didn't hold my my end end of of the the covenant. But if you only find... In my flock, what we agreed upon in the covenant, he said, this will be a witness to my righteousness. Now, did he do any good things or did he just live up to the covenant they made? He lived up to the covenant. Exactly. Let me find one more and then we're going to come back to Genesis 15. Okay. But let me go to Deuteronomy 6 maybe starting in verse 23. And he brought us out from there, brought us out from the land of Egypt in order to bring us into and give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. And that will be righteousness 
for us if we are careful to observe all his commandments before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. So righteousness is to observe the commandments in this covenant because we were under the covenant of law now. So this is a two-party covenant. This is a two-party covenant. And theirs was to stay righteous by doing their part of the covenant. Notice this land was given to Abraham as a promise. Yes. But now it looks like if they are righteous or if they keep their side of the commandment, he'll give them the land. Right. If if they do their part. Yes. That will be called righteousness. Well, righteous. That's defining the word righteous for us again because it's important. To their know righteousness this. or his righteousness. Right. Their righteousness. It would be their righteousness. Yeah. Because they did it. Yeah. If they observed these commands or another way of saying it if they're faithful to the covenant which it, it's important to understand this and make this distinction because we're asking the question what do I do under the new covenant we don't have anything to do there's there's not a command that we have to do to attain righteousness we are righteous in God's sight because of what Jesus did he made us righteous there's nothing for us to do as Christians to get that status. It's, we are there and we can enjoy the day. Yeah, it's fair to say that Jesus kept the covenant. Yes. Can you find Deuteronomy chapter 9? Mm-hmm. Maybe start in verse 4. And this is where they're, they're about to enter the land. Okay. Starting in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 9. Do not say in your heart, when the Lord your God has driven the enemies out before you, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. But it's because of the wickedness of the other nations that the Lord disposed them before you. It's not for your righteousness or for your upright hearts that you are going to possess the land. But it's because of the wickedness of the other nations. I did this to confirm the oath which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I did this to confirm the oath I oh did, he was he, was he told Abraham he was going to do this, and he is righteous to do it. I mean, he's going to uphold his bargain to them, and they have no righteousness in them to count on to receive this wow. possession of land. So he's saying, don't even think that this is, you're getting the land because you kept the covenant right you were faithful to the covenant in fact Don't he said it. you were the opposite of faithful you were stiff-necked you were stubborn yes, yes. You, you didn't do anything right you're getting it because of the oath that was sworn let me just make an observation bill god was telling israel you didn't get it because the other nations were more unrighteous than you were it said because it was wicked, an entirely different Hebrew word. 
Yeah. They were unrighteous because they didn't handle their end of the covenant. The other people don't become unrighteous because they don't have a covenant with God. You they can't just become use that word righteous or unrighteous if it's not involving a covenant. Exactly. Which makes exactly. the point. Right. Righteousness has to do with the covenant. the covenant. And that's what we need to keep in mind when we're thinking, what do I do as a Christian under this new covenant? Pretty much anything that you want. We'll go back to Genesis 15 after we have established that righteousness, the definition of righteousness is your faithfulness to uphold your part of the covenant. So in Genesis 15, we've got God making the covenant with Abraham and they've prepared all the sacrifices, the ceremonial sacrifices that it needs for this covenant and they've got it and now it's time to make the covenant. What does Abraham do? He falls asleep. God makes the covenant without Abraham he never had anything to do with the covenant. So he can still be considered righteous because he hasn't broken any covenant because he wasn't involved in any covenant. He was already credited as righteous before the covenant even was cut. Yes. And he's resting, sleeping. Yes. So basically the covenant is cut between the father and himself. Son. Yeah. That's what it meant in Hebrews 6. He swore by himself. Yes. Wanting the unchangeableness of this purpose to be sure to Abraham. Let's go back to the Matthew 6. All right, I'm going back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. He says, Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but continually seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Verse 34, therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay, so he's saying, don't be anxious for anything. Don't worry about what clothes you'll wear. It's kind of the same as saying, should I mow the lawn or should I do this? Or what clothes would be pleasing to the Lord? Or what should I do? Just don't worry about things like that. Don't let them concern you because you're under a new covenant where you're the vessel of God and he will do what God wants him to do through you perfectly. You'll get a complete A for the day. So don't worry about these things and seek ye first the kingdom of God. He means seek ye first righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because that's the, the aspect of the kingdom of God that we're talking about there. He says seek those feelings to feel righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Seek that every day. Say, Lord, I don't know whether I'm going to mow the lawn or not, but 
I want your righteousness, peace, and joy to fill my heart so that I feel those feelings. I want to feel those feelings all day. Even if I'm changing a flat tire on the side of the road, I still want to have that peace and that joy in the feeling of being righteous. I want that. I seek that every day. And then I've got my list that my wife wrote down for me, but I'm seeking first that feeling. That's that's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God that Jesus is talking about is just defined. He's saying, seek ye first. First thing you do when you wake up in the morning is say, I want to be filled with righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to experience heaven on earth. I want to experience the kingdom of God here on earth each day as I do these tasks that I want. And then it goes on to say, seek that righteousness. Not self-righteousness, but Christ who Philippians 1 6 or 110 says, the fruit of righteousness that only comes through Jesus. Jesus is the source of righteousness. So we seek that righteous for him to be righteous for us and to live out a righteous Christian life. And you, you say, hey, I've got these tasks before me, but I want to be manifesting you, Jesus, so that I am righteous all day long as I'm doing the things I need to do. And it really doesn't matter what the things you need to do are. Whatever they are, they are. But doing them with the Spirit of God manifesting himself through you makes you righteous as you're doing them. It's not the task that is righteous or unrighteous. It's doing them by the power of the Holy Spirit that makes those things righteous. So you sow your seed in the morning, be diligent at night. You don't know what is going to get blessed, but you know that he is going to bless you. That's why he said, be anxious for nothing because he will take care of you. He's going to make the things that you decide to do work out for good for those who are called according to his purpose and you'll land on your feet and you'll pay your bills and you'll by understanding that you're a vessel that Christ dwells in and that he's going to use you through the day to accomplish God's will you will manifest the spirit of Christ throughout the day which is the guardians of grace message wait for the Holy Spirit rely depend on it that's don't put your confidence in your human nature to live the Christian life, but put your confidence in that spirit that you have, the spirit that we're trying to tell people about, the spirit that it's only dawning on you that you have the spirit in you, or that the Bible was saying it so loudly. You have the spirit of Christ dwelling in you. Use him. Are you not so foolish after beginning in the spirit? Are you trying to, go. <laughs> trying to attain the goal by human effort? No, no. 27 podcasts in a row yeah, right there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, but Bill, what? I, I'm sorry. I went off on a soapbox. Sorry. So you're saying that mowing the grass isn't unspiritual. It's not. It's not unspiritual though, or spiritual. 
right, an unspiritual person can do it. But you can do it with peace and joy. Right. Because you're not anxious. Yeah, instead of being so aggravated at mowing the lawn, you can experience heaven on earth while you're mowing the lawn. That's what it says. Seek ye first that feeling of heaven on earth first. Wow. That... That's so cool because Jesus in no way is saying that discounting the these things you got to do, he's saying your father knows you have these needs. He's he's legitimizing these needs. Exactly. You get exactly. up in the morning, you need breakfast, you need mm-hmm. something to wear, and you need a way to provide income. Yes. He, he knows that. But he says, seek you first the kingdom. Yes, and your day will go better. And this new definition we have of righteousness is really what's yeah. on your mind is God is faithful. Yes. He's the covenant keeper. Yes. He's going to take care of me. Yes. He's going to produce that righteousness. That produces in my mind peace. Peace. It does. And too. joy. And it feel, it just feels like a big weight comes off your shoulder to give your burdens to Jesus at the beginning of the day and tell him, hey, I've got a big list of things to do today and I want your spirit to be right there with me as I'm doing everything that I'm doing and I want it to manifest itself to every person that I come in contact with so that it blesses them. I want to be a blessing today as I do my tasks. And just as you can only do one thing at a time, you should also just think of one thing at a time. If, if it's cutting the grass, think about right now I'm cutting the grass. Yeah. Not thinking about all the other things. And the reason I have the freedom not to worry about all the other things is because I know he's faithful. Yes. just And to, if it gets done, it gets done. Yep. But so, if, like that Ecclesiastes said, which helps me, the one who watches the clouds never sows right if you that's what he's saying don't get caught up in this anxiety this worrying that's a good point there's no bigger waste of time than like he ends up with thinking about tomorrow and thinking about the day after that and thinking mm-hmm. about, he says live in the moment live in the moment and you'll be you'll and, have peace and live that moment by God's power not and your word moment by moment by God's power. And then he goes, oh, the other thing is um, judging people. That's a big time waster, too. Yeah, he, let sh- God- he should be mowing the lawn right now. <laughs> right. He says, let God worry about that. Guy. That's it. And, uh, it cool says, stuff. let God wor- worry about that person because God will judge him and whether he stands or falls and God will make him stand. He does say that in Romans 14. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Yes. And stand he He will. will. Because he's a good guy, Mm -mm. God is able to make him stand. Because of God's power, the same guardians of great grace message that we live and die by. Yes. And so it's cool to think, just to review, that our righteousness is a gift and it's based on the faithfulness to live out this covenant. 
which we get at 100% A+. Plus. Because God is the covenant keeper. Everybody remember that. Philippians 1, 6, and, and memorize it. I'm confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will carry it on. He, he apprehended you and caused you to be born again for a reason. He's got things to do through you. You are God's workmanship, which was created in Christ Jesus to do works which were prepared long ago. I was thinking of another one because I listened to a, a YouTube the guy sent me, and it was really good. Mm -hmm. But he said, he quoted Philippians where it says, it is God who was at work. In you, work out your salvation. With fear and Finally trembling. To me. Yes. Yeah, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. pleasure. And he made the point that work out something that's already worked in but I'm, I really want to emphasize the part that it says it's God at you Work. not only to do it mm -hmm. but to will be, you to do it to, to be the, willing to do it yes, makes yes. You, in other words it's not you're not doing it with a grudge you're totally willing to do it God works in you to will and do his good pleasure I can't even brag about my choice my, de yeah, my determination right. Yeah. right even that was done for me even that was done for me praise God because the choices I make were horrible because keeping a covenant would depend on your will oh right? yeah since we live in this one-sided Abrahamic covenant right it's God who's at work which you just said it's God who's at work in you mm -hmm. keeping the covenant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. giving you the desires and the ability right in other words, we don't have to worry about it when we're making our list. He will write down the things that he wants us to do on that list. He works in you to will and do his good pleasure. He'll make the list of tasks for you. And his agenda will be included in that list of tasks. He'll, he'll take care of you. He'll make you willing to do the things that take care of yourself. He'll take care of your priorities. He'll make you willing to do the things that are of most importance. Most importantly, he'll do the things that he'll work in you to will to do the things that please him. You won't do it with a grudge or feeling like it's a burden or anything. You'll just be more than happy to do what you're doing because it's him doing it through you. Amen. 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 So Making I have the right choices. Yeah. Because yeah. of him. So I, I hope somehow we've come close to getting that question. And I pray, I think we should pray that this does help with the question. And we know that this question will come up over and over and over. It's the nature of the beast for guardians of grace, this question coming up. And it's a very legitimate oh, question. Yeah. And I, I kind of was flippant to dismiss the question before, so I do apologize for that. 
It's a valid question. It's a valid question. Do you want to close us in prayer? Yeah. Thank you, Father God, that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of you. Thank you that we can depend on you and count on you, trust in you, because we know you are faithful. That you made a covenant with Abraham and all the promises that you made, all the promises, whatever they be, they are yes and amen in Christ because he is the promise keeper. I pray that you just bless everyone listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and that you would do for them the task of bringing them peace and joy in their day-to-day activities because they would realize that the kingdom of God is not righteousness, peace. And the kingdom of God is not what you eat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit And he went on to add that anyone that serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and pleasing to the people around them. And that is the ultimate goal at the Guardian of of Grace. We know we're pleasing to God and we want to please the people around us. And the way to do that is through your spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.